Hey, welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast, where we discuss the principles behind the plans. As always, we're your hosts. My name is Dave. My name is Jeff, and we're glad you're joining us for season three. Season three, woo! <laughs> we finally made it. Can you yeah. believe we've been doing this for over two years it's now? It's crazy. I mean, this is one of the blessings of the, the endemic, right, yeah. that we have gotten into this. And we just want to give a big shout out to those that helped create this new studio for us. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Brendan, uh, Nick, Nick, Jake, uh, Michael was involved, whoever else. We just want to say yeah. thank you so much because we get to enjoy some fun new equipment and also hopefully make it look and sound better for all of you. Yeah. And of course, our producer, Hoge. Hoge, we got to thank him. <laughs> Which is my youngest son. Of course, we're father and son, and we're we're really glad that you've joined us. You know, we, we really created this podcast for the leaders of Allison Park Church, yeah. but what we have appreciated is the fact that so many of you have joined us from wherever you are and have left us some great comments about how you appreciate the podcast and the interaction and dialogue we have together and some of the topics we're covering. So. Yeah, that's an overdue thank you. We want to thank you, the listeners and viewers, for always joining us, taking some time out of your day to, to watch and listen, and so we appreciate that. And actually, something that we want to start to do more often is to give some thank yous yep. for those who have left uh, some five-star reviews. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, and that actually helps us a lot uh, to be able to kind of get the word out about what's going on. So... Um, uh, a few thank yous just to, to do some housekeeping with. We want to thank you, uh, give thank you to Gilbert Ackerman, to CWBB at 150, uh, to Rich Jones, and to Fox 5 House. Thank you for your kind words and your five-star reviews. We so appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, and if you have not left a five-star review yet, you can just do that real quick. You can just... Go on there, write something awesome. We would so appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, thank a you very much. We appreciate minutes. your feedback. Absolutely. Okay, so episode one of season three. Are you excited? I'm excited. I've actually missed doing this over the Christmas holidays, and looking forward to this season. Me too. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, today we want to we want to discuss a phenomenon that's probably been happening for a few years, but that's really become a whole lot more obvious and prevalent. Uh, maybe in the last two years or so. Uh, it's it's the fracturing of Christianity. Yeah, well, technically, it, it is the fracturing of evangelical Christianity. There is an article that I came across um, somewhere towards the end of last year, 2021, that documented something that I was feeling already, and that was it feels like everything is so polarized. And at, at you know before the 2020 events, for me, it felt like if someone called themselves an evangelical Christian, regardless of where they were coming from, I felt like we were on the same team. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of 2020, um, it was like, I don't know what team I'm on. <laughs> I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I fit. Probably, I think the perception that we were all on the same team was wrong, that beneath the surface, there's been this fracturing that's been happening amongst evangelical Christians for a long time. But 2020 exposed that and revealed that and maybe accelerated it a bit. And this article that uh, I came across talks about how it's there is a fracturing of evangelical Christianity in six different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to actually talk about that article. And maybe you have experienced this too, <laughs> where you felt like, I thought we were in the same church, we were on the same page, that kind of a thing. Um, this kind of diagnosis that a little bit. Yeah, maybe you've wondered this recently. But what does it even mean when someone calls themselves a Christian right. anymore? Yeah. You know, I think we would have been able to identify the idea of, oh, this person's Catholic, this person is, you know, so a specific denomination. But what's been really different, at least to me, is you can have people in the same denomination, in the same churches that are so far apart. Yeah. 
you know, and there there's more of a divide, more of a gap than ever between those who are sitting in the same seats, the same pews. Um, so it's it's worth discussing because yeah, there have something... been times I think I've said on this podcast that I'm standing on the stage and preaching about something, and I'm looking out in the audience, and I'm thinking to myself, if you knew what this person here <laughs> <laughs> thinks about the world, you know, and if you knew what they thought, wow, I mean, but here you are, we say, turn and greet one another. And there's a moment that it seems like, wow, this is great. We're in the same church family. But then deeper down, there is a fracturing that is, that's going on. Yeah. So your article that you shared was called The Six-Way Fracturing of Evangelicalism. And fair warning, it's it's a little bit heady. If you, you know, have not studied much of, of not just biblical stuff, but more how, how the church world works. It might be a little confusing, but uh, we'll kind of talk through a lot of that and, and you know, a lot of the article today in our in our show here, and we'll actually post the link as well yeah. in our show notes. But even if you just want to Google the six-way uh, six fracturing of evangelicalism, it should pop up. Um, so a fascinating article. We, you just mentioned this, Jeff, but it talks about six different ways that Protestant evangelical Christianity have fractured within the same churches. Uh, interestingly enough, there's actually a test you can take at the end of that article. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? That'll kind of help you to assess where you might fall. Um, you know, I had I had Sarah, my wife, take it just as like a little trial, and she was like, I kind of get this. So, <laughs> so maybe as pastors, it just feels a little more obvious, but, yeah. but it would be helpful. Well, we might want to start by answering the question, what theologically has historically been evangelical? Sure. Right? So... I think when we think of an evangelical, we think of someone who believes that the Bible is God's Word, that it's His inspired and errant Word, that salvation comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, He he really died on the cross. He really rose from the dead. He was born of a virgin. We believe all of these things are historical facts. Um, we believe that that you need to be saved or born again in order to be right with God and have the opportunity to go to heaven. We would believe what the Bible teaches about heaven and hell— we would carry forward this concept of the Great Commission, which is what Jesus told his disciples to do whenever he uh, you know, ascended into heaven. It was his primary um, mission, missional objective for us. And so evangelical is this concept of we believe we're on planet Earth to, to reach the one, to reach that one person that needs Jesus Christ and to make disciples of all nations. And so evangelical, we are evangelizing, we're missional, we're preaching the gospel, we're trying to bring people to salvation. And so that has been historically uh, the, the, the concept behind evangelicalism. I think you could, you could probably also add the way you interpret the Bible, trying right. to interpret the Bible, you know, from a, uh, this is what the author's original intent was to his audience, and we apply the principles. I think the, the way of interpreting the Bible was kind of the broad spectrum of, of evangelical, and it's, yeah. it's maybe changed a lot. You know, yeah, and and behind that is this belief in universal truth, which we often refer to on on the podcast as we talk about there is one truth, which is the truth God created, and and we try to live out of that. Yeah. Okay. So I have some questions for you to get this okay. started. <laughs> All right. So as a lead pastor of APC, I'm sure you've been noticing some of these cracks that have been spreading for quite some time. Uh, when do you think you first started to notice these cracks? At least. Like, I know there's always been some, but when they've been rapidly spreading to the point of fracturing. I don't think I noticed it until July of 2020. Mm. I think that was part of what was so surprising is I had no idea that there was this kind of fracturing. I now I now look back and I, so part of this fracturing, I think, begins with politics, so I think I think it doesn't really start with theology. It probably starts with politics. And and every time you you look at the world, you can see 
the contentious nature of the le- the election in 2016 between yeah. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and then the even more contentious election in 2020 between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and then the way that the news media reports everything on both sides. And so I think I would look and say, well, the world is fractured, politically fractured, yeah. ideologically fractured, but somewhere in, in the middle— I think Christians are pretty much on the same page and maybe emphasize things slightly differently, but we're all kind of moving together. And then the events of 2020 happened, and the realization was, wow, we are we are really not on the same page. And in fact, the edges are, are loud in this fracturing. And so I remember talking to several pastor friends of mine, and they were like, I don't even know what tribe I belong to anymore. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure I even want to use the term evangelical, because that means certain things to certain people. But then what what am I? What term do I use? How do I define myself? What's my identity as a follower of Christ? And so I think a a lot of people have been—either you have found your tribe within that broader spectrum of these six-way fractures, or you are feeling a little bit lost— and some some might be listening. They're like, "No, no, I know who I am and what I believe." And and I, you know, anybody who's fractured away from me has left the truth. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah, a lot of people sure. have a very dogmatic perspective on things. But for I think many Christians, they 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 look at the world around them and the disagreements and the behaviors, and they're a bit bewildered by it all. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think if so, there are so many divisive kind of issues that are out there right now. I think a lot of people, probably if you're listening, you'd fall into this. I think I would have fallen into this to some degree. You're thinking like, well, this this is how it should be. And then there's people that are going off the edge, yeah. you know? <laughs> but, but that may not necessarily be a very fair view. It's possible that we all have different views, and may, maybe there are ones that are more biblically aligned, but... Even discerning that takes a little bit of sure. talking through. Well, let me ask you the question, when did you notice it? Did you see it earlier? I, so I think, you know, if, if you're saying, did I notice it before July 2020? Definitely not. Okay. No. De- so I think when I started to notice it is when I started to see the culture wars on social media. You know, uh, so this article, the way it starts is it has a number of different hot button things. Yeah. It says like Colin Kaepernick, uh, and then the Donald Trump quote, grab them by the swear word blank, right? Okay. And then it goes through and has, <laughs> what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And based because on your, your re- responses to those events or moments uh, indicates a little bit about where you, what tribe you might be in, right? Yeah. You know, and, and. Nobody reads those without having without having an emotional reaction. Sure. You see those and you have one extreme response <laughs> or another, you know, and even if you're moderate, it's probably still I mean nobody's neutral on those things, sure. you know. They they've all affected us in some way or another. And yeah, you you mentioned tribes um it's interesting because I think before this, before we saw these wars starting to come about, we thought generally one mix, different opinions, but one general mix, and now there are different fractures. Maybe do we want to talk through? Yeah, why don't we go of, through all six? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll let you pick the direction. I have, <laughs> I have two things. So we can either go through the six, or we can talk about the major causes of, of maybe what, what fractured them. Let, let's go safe and go with the causes first. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> once we start to define it, I think people are going to be honing in like, so what do you guys think? And we're going we're gonna to tease that for later, right? We'll, 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 we'll save the, the, the reveal towards the end. How about yeah, that? for sure. You know, and, and I think we were talking about in the, in the future... Um, if there's an appetite for this, maybe we can talk about Allison Park Church 
and where we tend to, at least from our leadership, um, kind of come down. And that that doesn't have to be the same. There's not a requirement of you have to be one of these numbers to, to belong, but it does get a little bit harder to row the same direction the farther well, I think, apart we are. I think are. it's just like anything else. It's good to know what what your your leadership or what the vision of the organization is so that you can determine, do I really want to be here? Mm. Right. And I think that's the other thing that's come out of this particular last two years is that a lot of people have woken up and said, I don't think I'm on the same page with my church. And maybe I need to make a change because I'm in a different tribe than this. Yeah. And I actually don't think that's all that bad. When people made a change in their church because they realized they were ideologically or theologically misaligned, you can actually be at peace with each other and worship in different spaces. Um, so, but but that that awakening is, I think, something that is more and more happening. I think less and less people are in are in question about what kind of church they're in anymore because you know you've had to almost, in some ways, clarify during this season. Yeah, and but let's go causes. Why don't we? Let's stay go there? causes. <laughs> so, so when you let's say you're going to identify, I mean, you could do top ten easily. But what what were some of the biggest moments? It doesn't have to be ten. I'm thinking there's at least three to five that would be. You know, this was a big, this was a big force that caused some cracks and so on. You know, what are some of those in your mind? So, and it happened in 2020. No, just just so let's say in the last two or three years, because that's yeah, probably okay. been the so, major breaking point. Well, let's go way back. Let's go back to, in the 1980s, there was a movement called the Moral Majority, yeah. where most evangelicals were, were, were pushed toward becoming a voting bloc for the Republican Party, mm. because it was perceived that the country was leaving its moral foundations, and that there was this silent, moral, religious majority that um, needed to rise up and take its stand and fight for the soul of America. And so I think that there was a push. Evangelicalism became viewed as a powerful voting block, and the evangelical issues tended to be uh, biblical marriage and the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. And so every election season, those two hot-button issues were pushed to try to create movement towards the Republican Party, and uh, evangelicalism became became viewed as a voting block. Then I think the the boomers kids grew up and and they began to question. Wait a second, do we have do you have to be a Republican to be a Christian? Or and these would be people like born around what your time age. are you thinking? Yeah. So right. So your your generation came okay. up, maybe a little older than you and a little younger. You're so you have years boomers, old. then you have Gen X, then you have Millennial. So yeah, Gen so, X and Boomer maybe probably been the, yeah. Okay, so gotcha. they there there was this whole thing that happened in the '90s and 2000s called the emerging church movement, and yeah, right. it was a lot of talk about postmodernism and deconstructing, you know, a lot of things, and and so there was questions about how we approach the Bible and how we approach theology and how we approach politics, and um, has the Republican Party uh, started to own evangelical Christians, and maybe there's a different way of looking at things, and maybe abortion and and marriage are not the only two issues. Maybe there's other issues we should be talking about. And so I think there was a movement probably during the era where George W. Bush was president to, um, you know, create an alternative so that people who valued other issues, for instance, racial justice uh, or economic justice. Yeah, right. Um, Poverty. Right? That there would yeah. be a uh, an opportunity to say you can be a moral person and not be a Republican Christian. Sure, like you can be something else. And so, because 
power is at stake, uh, the fight over the heart of evangelicalism became something that you know played itself out on the broad scale within our country, which I think that a lot of people around the world look at with great curiosity because you know a lot of a lot of countries don't have just two options between Democrat and Republican, and so it becomes a really American phenomenon this evangelical fracturing fracturing. But by the time we hit 2020, now it's become intense where you can't be a Christian unless you are in this tribe with these set of values. And, and so there's a lot of finger-pointing now, and there's a lot of anger and intensity because there's power at stake, and, and then the soul of our country is at stake. On both sides, you hear this same statement that, you know, if, if we don't take a stand for justice, that the soul of the country is at stake, and Christians need to take a stand for justice and for those who've been abused and those that have been, you know, taken advantage over the years, or if you don't take a stand for life, you know, then you can't really, how can you call yourself a Christian? So there is a, there is a polarization that's happened around certain issues. And I do think it has been less driven by theology and more driven by the power dynamics of politics. Now, that's my opinion of things, but a lot of the things that he starts the article with, <clears throat> that, like you mentioned, Donald Trump's statements, Colin Kaepernick, George Floyd, well, yeah. you know, whatever it happens to be, there is, a, there is a, an emotional reaction that you have that's based upon, you know, how you've reacted to a lot of things over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And you see the fracturing often within families between an older generation and a younger generation. A lot of times you have younger people who call themselves, would consider themselves a born-again Christian, and older people who consider themselves born-again Christians, and they have completely different views within the same house, which has made things like Thanksgiving and Christmas meals really contentious at times, because some people have said, if you think that way, if you vote that way, I don't even want you over at my house anymore. I mean, people have made family relationship decisions based upon some of these deep fractures within uh, what we would consider evangelical Christianity. Yeah. And so so it's it's not just that it affects churches, it affects everything. Right. I think it there's there was some somewhat of a compounding effect whenever we went into the the pandemic, we went into quarantine and people's main way of socializing was saying stuff on social media. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but it seemed like especially during 2020, I mean it was election it was like the perfect storm. It was an election yep. year with a a very polarizing presidential candidate in Donald Trump yep. in, in a way when social media became one of the, the main ways to relate to people. And so, you know, everybody told what they were thinking yeah. online well, And then with some else. of the most uh, horrible, horrific events that have happened, you know, in, in George Floyd's death right. and Ahmaud Arbery and others Breonna Taylor that, that, were, and, yeah. that were caught on camera for the whole world to see so that so that it had this deep effect upon people where people were grieving and frustrated and angry and then it brought up all kinds of emotions for years and years and years that people had been carrying around and then there was this desire to protect and and you know the police force that they feel that people feel like they're being treated unjustly too and so back and forth we went around all of this stuff and I think we continue to have that that uh that fracturing happen over the very same things Maybe it goes up, up and down, but because the pandemic became an endemic, I think we're just still living in the midst of it all. By the way, I, re- I remember once, it was probably April, it was during the second few days to slow the spread, 
<laughs> and I remember there were celebrities that were coming on commercials and they were saying, stay home, stay safe. Remember, we're all in this together. And I remember saying out loud, I don't think we are all in this together. <laughs> like, I know what you're saying, but it doesn't feel like we're all in this together. It feels very much like, you know, there, there, there are people that just are fighting over everything. And uh, so that, that's sort of, I miss that in some ways, like the feeling like we're all in this together, because right now it doesn't feel like we're in anything together. Yeah. And I think for our listeners, all of that, you know, and I'll, I'll probably even just hearing that list brings up some emotional response, sure. you know, a lot of times fatigue or frustration or whatever it might be, weariness. Yeah. Um, this this episode is not so much about those events, but it's more that because of that, yeah. we have seen massive division, massive fracturing created not just between denominations or between, you know, totally different churches, but within the same church. In fact, one thing that I found very interesting was uh, the article was saying, based on the current splits that we're seeing, realistically, and just even with with church trends, it seems like it's going to be harder and harder for people that are distances of, you know, I think they said 2 to 2.5 numbers away being in the same thing. So again, we, we mentioned that there are six different different splits, and yeah, we'll so kind of go through those. Yeah, so if you're a 1 and you're a 4, you're going to have a hard time... Very hard time sitting next to that person. Being in the same church for very long if you find out what the other person thinks and believes. Absolutely. Now, I I do think... Allison Park Church has ones and fours. Yes. And we have twos and threes, and we probably have some fives. Yes. Um, all all fellowshipping together, and uh, I love that. Yeah. Um, but I'm also concerned about that um, because of, you know, could, could it be that we can all come back together somehow? Um, or will time and events continue to push us away? I guess that's one of the big questions. Right. I think what we're currently seeing is that the camp that people fall into and these fractures tends to be one of the primary identity, you know, self-identifying forces. I am like this. This is a big part of who I am, and you're so different than me. So we can discuss where we go from here. This is right, and you are wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's not just this is who I am and this is who you are, and we can love each other. It's really like no, this is righteous. What what I stand for is righteous, and what you stand for is unrighteous, and therefore. Uh, this hard line has been drawn between yeah. between Christians. I think it's that feeling that people have of a lot of Christians just don't get it. Yeah, whatever it is, a lot of people that maybe you could, maybe you'd even say a lot of people that call themselves Christians just don't get it. Yeah, They're now, missing the point. If you happen to be someone who's outside the church and you're hearing this podcast and you're like listening, like these people are crazy. I think one of the things I would say to you is. Uh, you probably have a stereotype about what a Christian, an evangelical Christian is, and it's way, way broader than you ever thought. Absolutely. And you might be looking at evangelical Christian, and you see a one, or you see a four, and you say, uh, that's what you all are. And that is absolutely not probably true. Probably you're thinking of them as ones, and we'll <laughs> yeah. get through that, because yeah, I don't it's think... it's not true at all. In fact, there's a, there's a whole lot more breadth to the movement that we call evangelical Christianity than what even I understood before. And you know what I'll say is, I think that it is it is totally normal and expected for Christians to have different thought patterns, to be wrestling through different beliefs, to have different responses to things that happen in our culture and in our country based on your upbringing, based on your experiences, based on a whole lot of different things. But I do think, ultimately, God's heart is for us to be unified. However that happens, yeah. and we have to... Well, when Jesus prayed in John 17, he said, I pray that they would be one. Yeah. <laughs> so that prayer, boy, we need God to answer that prayer. 
because I mean, I mean, okay. So there was there, there was a in Jesus followers, his twelve. There were different opinions about everything, but somehow they managed to come together to accomplish God's purpose in the world. And so, um, I guess that's the challenge for us. It is the challenge, and yeah. we can talk about how to address that challenge as we get a little farther. Yeah. But why don't we? Why don't we now go into what this article? This uh, what was called again? I'll go into what this article says. It is. Do you the, have the actual author, by the way? Of of that in your notes or no? I don't think I do. Okay, that's all right. Well, just look at look up look it up. You'll you'll find it. it's pretty easy to find that six way fracturing of evangelicalism. Yeah, I just have a, a segment copy okay. and pasted yep. here. Okay, so this is some heady language here, mm-hmm. but we can kind of talk through each one of these. Okay. So should I read? I'll, I'll, I'll let's just do this. I'll read the title and the description. We can go through all six. Yep. We can talk about what sure. this is. Okay, let's do it. So number one uh, is the neo fundamentalist. Evangelical. We start okay. there. These are not going to be like, like what the heck yeah, is so, it? So neo meaning new, right? Funda- fundamentalism, which is a historic perspective on Christianity, which is a very rigid interpretation of Scripture. Yes, often right? literal, often yeah. very literal. There's yep. not, yeah, okay. So the neo fundamentalist evangelical. It says uh, neo. This is again from this article. Neo fundamentalists are those who have deep concerns about both political and theological liberalism. They're concerned about that. There is some over overlap and co belligerency with Christian nationalism, which is essentially uh, a, a combination of what it says right wing nationalism, right? So and Christianity. It would be a person that believes Jesus and America. Yes. Right. So God's chosen people. Yeah. So uh, that that God is primarily working in the world by 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 the United States of America, and that God made us as a you know a, a Christian nation for a purpose on earth. And so the focus tends to be on that. Some people might even describe it as like the new Israel. I've heard yeah. before. Right. Okay. So it goes on to say. Uh, but neo fundamentalists do so do so with more theological vocabulary vocabulary and rationality um, concerning threats within the church. They have deep worries with the church's drift towards liberalism and the ways secular ideologies are finding homes in the church. Outside the church, they are concerned by the culture's increasing hostility towards Christianity, most prominently from the mass media, the social media, and the government. Right. Okay. Okay. So that would be neo fund fund. Uh, you fundamentalist. I'm having a hard time saying this. And that's that's what we call a one. That's what we would call a one. All right. Now, number two, the the mainstream evangelical. Now, let me just pause and say again, these are not official titles. This is what the author is trying to do to break down these six different fractures that they identified, which I think are helpful. Okay. So number two would be mainstream evangelical. Historically, this term has been Protestants who hold to the Bebbington quadrilater- quadrilateral. <laughs> Sarah was like, what is going on here? Um, of conversionism, activism, biblicism, excuse me, and crucicentrism. You want to explain those real quick? So the center, crucicism would be the center of the cross, that the cross is the center of everything. Biblicism would be the idea that we find all truth out of the scriptures. Activism. And, and, and I'm not exactly sure how he applies that one. That one's a tough one for me, because when I think of activism, I tend to think of it as a four. But I guess this would be being active in the world to make social yes, change, absolutely. positive social change. And then the last one is conversionism. Yeah, which means that they're very interested in winning people t- to Christ. They're yes. going after souls. This is where you would have historically things like uh, evangelism explosion and and you know the Billy Graham training that would cross denominations and teach people how to do personal evangelism to win people to Christ. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So uh, 
The emphasis for this group is on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Concerning threats within the church, they share some concern for the secular rights influence on Christianity, so for Republicans that aren't Christians, right? Secular right, um, including the destructive pull of Christian nationalism, which we just mentioned, right. but are far more concerned by the secular left's influence and the desire to assimilate since the world remains so, uh, so since the world still remains so hostile. Outside the church, they are likely uncomfortable with the rhetoric Trump and other conservatives use, but this uh, but view this direction as the lesser of two evils. Right. Okay. So these were probably Trump voters, but they weren't raising Trump's flag. Right. Right. They just saw it as it's better than whatever the left is offering. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Then we have number three, the neo-evangelical. So okay. the new the new modernized form yeah. of an evangelical. Right. People who would see themselves as global evangelicals and are doctrinally evangelicals. Uh, it says with some philosophy of ministry differences. So they they would hold to orthodoxy or, or what's considered to be like your mainstream traditional views of how to interpret scripture, how to apply it, right? right. Um, but they no longer use the term evangelical. Uh, in some circumstances, as in the American context, the term as an identifier has evolved to be more political than theological. So they don't want to be called an evangelical because they think it's going to bring up political views. Uh, within the church, they are highly concerned by conservative Christianity's acceptance of Trump and failure to engage on topics of race and sexuality in helpful ways, but they have not totally abandoned evangelical identification and likely still labor in churches with the with the broadest spectrum of these groups. Outside of the church, this group feels largely homeless in today's uh, world, there's equal concern or slightly more either way, depending on the person uh, and the threat um, that the left and right opposed to Christians seeking to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness. Yeah, so I think the twos and threes are very close to one another. One tends to be a little bit less willing to use the term evangelical and thinks about the world in a, as a very big space. And the other it tends to be uh, willing to use the term evangelical and wants to just sort of almost shut out all the tensions in the world around them and just focus on making disciples, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think those two tend to be a little closer to each other. If all we had was twos and threes, we wouldn't even be talking about fracturing. We might not even notice it. Right, but we still have four, fives, and sixes. Come on, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the other identifier I would say, if you're just trying to take like spark notes, is that threes probably see equal threats or big threats from secular Republicans and Democrats. You know, it's not just like one is worse or one. They tend is... to think the, the, that everybody's lost their mind. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, number four. And by the way, thanks for sticking with us. We we got a few more. The last two are very short. This is yeah. the last big long one. The number four is the post-evangelical. Um, they're described as people who have fully left evangelicalism from a self-identification standpoint and reject the evangelical label, yet are still churched and likely still agree with the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, Um, so mostly Orthodox. Yeah, so they may not be as literal with the Bible. They may not see the Bible as as the the be-all and end-all rule for their life and practice, but they would accept the core beliefs of what it is to be born again. They tend to be a little bit more flexible when it comes to um, some of the doctrinal standards of lifestyle, Mm -hmm. Um, although may still hold very much to what you would think of as the traditional values that come from Christian teaching. Right, okay. It goes on to say, they are more deconstructed than neo-evangelicals, and they are more vocal in their critiques of ones and uh, and twos than threes would be. So they they tend Mm -hmm. to be a little more 
vocally critical, and they're a little bit more concerned with deconstructing power structures that would exist within America that might be and within in the church. The church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like racism and things sure. like that. Some, refa- some rem- remain firmly in Protestant circles and others have crossed over to mainline Catholic or Orthodox traditions while still holding to the basic creeds. Concerning threats within the church, they're f- focused on abuse, corruption, hypocrisy, Christian nac- nationalism, and the secular right. Outside of the church, they are primarily concerned with matters of injustice and equity, the secular right, and to a lesser extent, the radical secular left. Many fours are also fours because of their experiences with predominantly white evangelicalism and, and have been so, uh, because their experiences with predominantly white evangelicalism have been so difficult and strained that the physical distance seemed to be the only, only conclusions. They tend to want to, they're chafing sometimes yeah. when they're with essentially people that would be ones. Yeah, let mostly. me refer back now to a previous episode where we did a critique, I guess you'd say, of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which I think would be a, a, a good perspective of what you would hear from a four, mm-hmm. right? So I would say that perspective, the the authors of that were clearly in the four category. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, there, there's a little note point that I'll just say here. They say, look, you can actually be a halfway between some of these um, they're saying there's a halfway point between the four and the five that's known as an ex-evangelical, <laughs> but there, there's ways, you know, you might not fit neatly in one or the other, but you could be, you know, yeah, you might be halfway between two and three or halfway between one and two. Exactly. Uh, so, but it's just attempting to de- sort of define the rainbow of all the possibilities now. The spectrum. Correct. Okay. All right. Last two, number five, we have the D de- the de-churched, uh, in parentheses, but with some Jesus. So people who have left the church but still hold to at least some Orthodox Christian beliefs, they don't really attend church, but they believe some of what they maybe grew up in or what they were, you know. So they became discontented with what they saw in the church and they've left, but they still like Jesus. Yeah, right. right. And and some of the things that he taught, maybe they even miss some aspects of church. But But the church feels too corrupt for them to be a part of. Right. right. Okay, and then the last one we have is the de-churched and de-converted, people who have left the church and are completely de-converted with no Christian beliefs. Yeah. In fact, there's there's quite a number of people, Christian musicians, uh, one particular author who wrote a book, I forget his name now. Which one? I kissed dating goodbye, and he came out mm. and said, all that I used to believe, I don't believe anymore. I'm now no longer a Christian. I'm something else. And that's become something very popular today. Rob Bell's probably there, too. Yeah, people who've said, I used to be an evangelical Christian. Now I'm, I'm not anymore. I don't believe any of that. But they still, I guess, like some aspects of Christian community, right? Okay, so that was a big old heady mix, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I know we were kind of filtering through it. Maybe our filter didn't even bring it down to a level of where you felt like that was digestible. But essentially, there there are six camps. If you wanted to give the bullet points, it's ones are sort of America's God cho- chosen nation, probably yeah. pro-Trump. Yeah. Two is the Let's left. Let's just keep ourselves focused on the gospel. Right. And <laughs> a little more concerned with liberal than they are with, with you know, conservative, yeah. but they're concerned with both. Threes are kind of just in the middle, like no man's land. Both are kind of crazy. We're trying to focus on the church, but it's hard because people are getting concerned with other things. Four is the church uh, really is too white, too, you know, conservative. They're not seeing the whole picture. Too to attach to America, right? You know, and and needs to take a stand. Yeah, fives would be. I'm gone. I'm gone, <laughs> but I still like Jesus. But right. I don't like what you guys are doing. Right. Sixes, you know, 
Yeah, it's I've totally gone. There, uh, sixes, I actually don't think you can even put them in a category. Of being no, like they're probably just gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a five-way fracturing, yeah. but if you put six out there, it's, yeah. it's out there. Okay, so that's a lot, <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, as I read No this, wonder I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because even though that was confusing to describe it all, we just went through what what is actually out there on social media as an explosion every day. People yes. people expressing one views and four views and three views and two views and five views and all and you're like, man, you and you guys are Christians, like and it's like all over the place. And and even as a pastor who's been leading for years and years and years, I hear some things from all the various tribes and I think I think I believe some of that, but I don't believe really all of that. And I'm not even sure like if can we can we relate to each other? Can we work together? Can we pray together? I think there's a whole bunch of that going on. And um, one of the things that I appreciate, Tim Keller is one of my favorite leaders and authors, and he says, you know, anytime God does something in the world like this, where there is something happening in the world, God is always trying to redeem it. So it's very possible that what will come out of this is a more purified version of Christianity that takes some of the best of all of this and and a re- new revolution that will arise for the next generation where we'll say, this is who we are and this is where we're going. And maybe for a lot of people, when that does arise, they'll say, I'm out. Like, like they're almost like this is a filtering moment. And, and uh, we're going to discover something brand new and the old definitions won't be able to hold true anymore. I guess that's one of the hopes that we would have. Absolutely. We have to hope <laughs> for that because yeah. right now it's it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah, that and it's also possible, and this is one of the things, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. It's very possible that one of the things that will come out of this pandemic era of 2020, 21, and now into 2022, is that a lot of times Christianity has been somewhat defined for the world by what was coming out of America. Mm-hmm. But now you see all across the world, there are leaders from various nations that are not America, that are setting the tone for some things. Like my good friend Bishop Matakambali, Barnabas Matakambali in Tanzania, who's one of the great leaders alive today. Yeah. It's very possible that evangelical Christianity will be led into the future by someone who isn't from America. In fact, maybe maybe part of what God is doing is trying to, um, you know, destabilize the structures of the past so that other voices can arise who can lead us forward. And uh, it's possible that God's changing the position of those of us who live in this country, we, you know, mo- most most missional activity has been exported from churches within the United States for hundreds of years, 150 years probably. And maybe God is up to something new in that way. Maybe it is. Now I kind of tip the hand a little bit to which camp I'm in, but I'm viewing the world from a global perspective, right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking maybe Christianity has to be viewed from a way bigger perspective than just what's happening in the political environments of the United States of America. You know, I think one of my biggest takeaways from this whole thing is it is worth just taking a minute to slow down a little bit and to not let our, like to not let a good cause, because, you know, at least each of the first four camps have have something in them that is, I believe in the church, I believe what God's doing, um, I I support, you know, I support Scripture, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, I think, uh, or I support values in Scripture, so I think it, it, in those camps, at least, um, there's always something righteous about what you're fighting for. But I think we have to take a minute, like after I've read this, what I just keep feeling is we have to take a minute to slow down and to realize that a value that everybody needs to have, that ve- you see very little of out there, is 
as bridges is, you know, you don't have to necessarily believe everything right. You can believe some wrong things, but we still are a part of the same body. You know, we're still a a part of the church. We're still a part of what God's called us to be. And somebody can be totally wrong. You might see people that you disagree with and you think that person has lost their mind, but that doesn't mean that we need to push them away or disassociate unless we get to a point of where now they're They've kind of left the faith altogether. Yeah, I, I even, think you're yeah. right. I, I think you're right. So my, my my mindset, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called the sons and daughters of God. So being a peacemaker or a bridge builder is a part of what it is to be one with one another, because we're never going to be uniform in our theology or ideology um, or our politics, but we can be one in heart and in relationship. But the other thing is, if I want to be clear enough about who I am as a leader and who Allison Park Church is, that if people say, I am not what you are, and they choose to leave the church for a good reason, because they say, I'm not on the same page with you, I believe in something else, that's okay. And if you go to a different church, or if you decide to belong to another faith system altogether, I can still be your friend, and we can do life together, and I can love you, and we can have good active conversations, we don't have to think the same for us to have a friendship. And and this is one of the things I think we've lost in the last two years. So, I mean, I have a point of view. I'm going to lead with that point of view. And, you know, one of the things that every person who's in a church needs to ask the question, what is the point of view of this church? Do I want to give myself to this because you belong to this church family? Um Hopefully that's broad enough to include people that aren't in this tiny little narrow slice, because you do find some fracturing with some churches that have become so narrow in their view of everything that if you don't belong to this little narrow slice, you're out. Um, so I think there, there needs to be a broadening of the tent to include people so that we are living at peace and working together, and yet a clarifying so that everybody knows, okay, this is this is what this church is, is about. I, I don't know, you, you have commented to me about this, Dave, and others, how my preaching became, or I should say our preaching, because we both preach at different locations, has become a little bit more direct during the last two years, where maybe I've taken on topics and, and talked in such a way as to say, by the way, this is what I think according to what the Scripture teaches in this particular area, not to repel people, but to just clarify so that people can either gather around that concept or make a decision to say, that's not me. And, and, and so, you know, Jesus often did this in his teaching. He would say things that were a dividing line. He would say, you know, you can't really follow me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people were like, what? <laughs> and so some people left him and the disciples hung around and even they were they were questioning some things. So I do think it's necessary that leaders are clear about what they believe and where they're going and what their values are and what their theology is so that people in a local church can make up their mind and decide. You know, this is a little bit of a side note, but I just think it's that, that clarity piece is important for so many different reasons. I, I heard we, we were listening to Tim Keller. I think it might have even been that same one. Yeah. Um, I don't remember, but he was talking about how there's such an, a need right now 
um, for churches to help. He, he used the term inoculate, to help inoculate their believers from the views of secular society. And what he meant by that is when you get vaccinated, you develop antibodies, your body can identify what's good and what's oh, not. Oh, you just went there, huh? Vaccinated. That's another one of those polarizing <laughs> things. <laughs> well, it doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be not the COVID kind of vaccine. vaccine. Yeah, yeah but no. It, but yeah. <laughs> Please don't turn off the podcast for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I, I mean, he, he talked about this idea of needing to clarify what the Bible says, what it doesn't, what what is a what is a holistic view of Scripture, what was Jesus teaching, yeah. you know, because it, sometimes it's even hard to distinguish um, what's good. If you say good, it might bring into your mind possibly pictures of goodness that are actually not from the Bible, but that that our, our secular world would have as good, and maybe there are even some reflection of biblical goodness, but... Man, I mean, I, I've just yeah, I've been having conversations about this. That some there are parts of the Bible that are difficult to deal with, and you'll see videos of people that are opponents of Christianity saying, "Do you really believe the Bible? Look at this part." Yeah. You know what I mean? Or so I just think that one of the big needs of churches in general, in every way, is to is to clarify what we believe, to clarify what the Bible says, to even some of the sticky parts that we would tend to avoid, because it's confusing. Yeah, and yet with a tone of kindness yeah. and grace and respect and respect yes. and 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 not so cl- as clear as a razor blade is sharp, right? Just absolutely pinpoint clear, and yet in love and grace and with a, a sense of, of a, a tone of respect and honor. And, and I think that that is really what the duty of we, that we have as spiritual leaders are to get into that space and to clarify and yet to create an atmosphere of love and grace so that people can find a safe spot to investigate. Even maybe, you, maybe you're listening to this. And you're like, I'm not, now that I've heard all this, I'm not even sure where I fit in. And that's probably a good thing. If we created a, a sense of disturbance inside that's made you curious to know more and to define your theology a little bit more and your tribe a little bit more. That's probably a really good thing. Yeah, I know that. I know that this is so much harder said than done. Um, so this might not even do anything. But I just think, man, one one of my values is just trying to seek out what Scripture really says. And so I know that there are people that have been probably longtime Christians. Maybe you have very firm, passionate views, and you know that what you value is also what God values. But I guess I, I said this earlier, but it's just my challenge to maybe pause and just even take take a minute to question, is there something that I'm missing? Like, yeah. do I maybe need to reevaluate some things? Is everything that I'm believing Christ-like? Are there people that maybe think differently and might have some scriptural support where I shouldn't just shut it down? Because I think we're a little quick sometimes to say, yeah. this is valid, and so everything I think is valid. <laughs> but that's just, you know, I don't think that's wise. Yeah, so. no, their humility is necessary to be able to have a good theology, I think. And if you're in the five or six category and you find yourself dechurched, or maybe you've said, I've left Christianity altogether, but you miss something, maybe there's a hunger inside of you that misses that spiritual sense of vibrancy that you had when you were in the church, I would just say, come back. Yeah, we miss you. We miss you. And <laughs> we you know what? We back. want this to be a safe place where you can think through your issues. You, and you don't have to totally agree with everything that I believe or I'm saying to be able to belong to Allison Park Church and 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 investigate it. And even even if you're saying, I'm not, I don't believe any of it, but I like hanging around with you guys. Come on. We want you to be here. We want you to be welcome. 
And um, we want to create an atmosphere where those who are ones and feel like they need to be righteously ones and those who are fours and feel like they need to be righteously fours, we want to to create a space for you to be who you are here, but hopefully with with a tone that you can sit next to somebody and pray with somebody who is on a different political perspective or ideological perspective than you. That's a real challenge. I get that. And, and, and we're not saying you have to stick around. We are just saying the part of one of our, part of the heart here is to create an atmosphere where people can find connection with Christ and with one another, even when they have disagreements. Yeah. So again, you know, if, if you want to Google that article, The Six-Way Fracturing of uh, Evangelicalism, you can find that there, as well as uh, that little test at the end. Do yeah. We... Take the test. Yeah. It's, it's worth your time. It probably is like a three-minute test. No, it's not long. It's really just an assessment. Test is like you're going to get graded. It's an assessment that will indicate to you where you fit in the in the six different possibilities. Yeah, and, and it may be worth doing a whole another episode on on maybe what we are. Yeah, but uh-huh. do you want do you want to talk about it now for any time? No, or? no. Let's just end by saying one of the predictions that this particular author had is that he said that people will not be able to remain in a church where they have more than 1.5 degree away from where they are. Mm-hmm. So it'll be difficult for a one to be in a church that has any fours in it at all. And four is difficult for them to be in a church with any ones in it at all. And that eventually it'll, it'll be like it's been shaken up and it'll all filter down into these different categories. And we'll think about the way we describe churches. Now we say mainline, Catholic, evangelical. Now there may be different descriptions for those different categories of churches that arise. My hope is that it doesn't end up that way, that somehow out of this we create a new unity so that we say there was a fracturing and now we've come together. And, and I mean, that may be an unrealistic hope. It might be a Don Quixote kind of like, you're, you're, you're not living in the real world, Jeff. That's just never going to happen. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But, but I want to I work towards that idea. Absolutely. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, this is our very first episode of season three. Yeah. We're glad you joined us. And as always, we just want to say it would mean so much to, to us if you think about liking and subscribing, uh, you know, to whatever platform you're listening on, share it with people. We're, we're all over Spotify. Yeah. By the way, we too, we are open to having a sponsor for this program as well. If you are interested in, in maybe sponsoring one of our episodes, we'd love to have a conversation with you. And we also want to hear about topics you're interested in. Yeah, please keep sending those in. Hey, so we appreciate your time. Thanks for being back with us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have an, have, have an awesome day. We'll catch you guys next time.